Hello and welcome to Watershed's monthly podcast. My name's Claire Reddington and I'm director of the Pervasive Media Studio, which is Watershed's creative technology lab. And as Mark Cosgrove's on holiday this week, I've been handed the podcast to talk to you about one of our latest projects, Bristol Proms. So I'm joined by Tom Morris, who's the artistic director of Bristol Old Vic, and John Durrant, who's the creative director of BDH, to talk us through Bristol Proms, which is taking place July of this year. So, Tom, we met in Renato's, of course, and first discussed this idea, I think, back in January. Can you tell people a little bit about what you were thinking and where the idea came from? We'd been talking about finding a, um, an opportunity to collaborate between the Bristol Old Vic and Watershed on a season of work uh, for about three years, really. And we'd always thought it, it was going to be a, a piece of theatre we might collaborate on. Um, but then I started to find out more and more about the history of the theatre, and I discovered that it was actually built for music as much as it was for dramatic performance. And in fact, Handel's Messiah was performed there in 1782. There were promenade concerts throughout the first half of the 19th century. And it seemed a good idea to program some classical music in the theatre and to use that as an opportunity to overcome some of the obstacles that people have when they imagine what a classical music concert is like. I mean, in the middle of the 19th century, classical music concerts were very popular. People thronged to see them. Paganini rammed the Bristol Old Vic out in 1831 for three nights, and they were able to more than double the ticket prices because he was the David Bowie of his day. And that kind of interactive informality in performance is something that when I go and see a classical music concert now, I sometimes wish there was a bit more of. So the starting point was just to have a slightly more dramatic kind of concert. And then you started explaining to me, Claire, that some of the experiments that you'd been opening up with artists working with digital media might allow audiences to get really close to classical music performance in completely unanticipated in new ways and really the collaboration has come from that point. So this is about technology being used to create intimacy and to kind of really explore the music rather than to kind of distract or bombard people. I think that's right. I mean there are, some of the concerts are theatricalized or semi-staged and in others through the teams of artists that you've put together um, we'll be able to take the audience really close to the experience without compromising the music and without overlaying it and without distracting from it. And that's where John comes in. And can I, who are the audiences for this? Are these people who know classical music, have seen these artists before, or is this reaching out to a different type of audience? Well, inevitably, there will be some classical music lovers who book because it's Nicola Benedetti playing the violin and they want to hear that, um, or Daniel Hope playing Max Richter's four, Vivaldi's Four Seasons Recomposed and they want to hear that. But our hope is that we'll be able to attract a completely new audience. People who like listening to classical music on the radio maybe, but are bored to death by the idea of going to a concert, might find that this kind of concert is more accessible to them. And also people who secretly go to classical music concerts, but who can never persuade any of their friends to go with them because it's so boring in a normal concert hall setting, this is the event to which you should persuade your friends to come, not only to the events that are going on at the Old Vic, but to the events that are going on here in this cinema where we're sitting now at the watershed as well. 
One of the things I'm really excited about the programme that's been put together is it sort of blends some of the best of Bristol talents and people from the amazing creative industries that we have here with some pretty hefty international performers and also some new partners. We've got Universal Music and Classic FM. How did you get them involved? Well, we wouldn't be able to do this without Universal Music. And uh, that's a piece of extraordinary luck, really. Max Hole, who's taken over as the, the director of Universal Music Global, which sounds like something out of Star Trek, essentially means he's overseeing all the musical publication that isn't in the United States. Rock, pop, classical, everything under the Universal banner. He's passionately committed to finding new audiences for classical music. And when he heard about the beginnings of our ideas and our conversation in Renato's, he decided to take a punt and come with us and see whether by investing in the Bristol Proms, he might be able to broaden the audiences that we could attract. And without that vision, we wouldn't be anywhere, frankly. Brilliant. So, John, you've been handed uh, two or maybe one of the events that is on the opening night of Bristol Proms. Can you talk us through what BDH are planning for this simultaneous performance? Yes, well, we've got the pleasure of recording Jan Lizietsky, who's a Canadian wonderkind, a fantastic pianist who's playing Chopin's Etudes. And um, I mean, they're phenomenally technical pieces. And um, really, only a few people in the world can actually take them on. And we're, what we're going to do is we're going to cover him in cameras or cover his performance in cameras at the Old Vic and simulcast it to the watershed, thus giving two different experiences. And um, what's going to be fantastic about getting these cameras in and around him, we're not actually going to literally stick cameras on him. I think, uh, Are you actually, sure? Well, we, well, were, we did discuss it. Head, we were you? thinking about strapping cameras. <laughs> but, but actually, Jan is, is, is an amazing professional. and He's going to take, apparently, three hours just to warm up before playing the performance. So the idea of three hours with cameras strapped to him, I think he's going to find that a bit too intimidating. But, but he's up for it. He's um, really excited by the idea. And, and what's going to be wonderful about it, about both the challenge and also how we're going to express the work, is that we're going to be able to broadcast it and show it on the screen at the old Vic, but not in such a way that it will get in the way of a live performance. Because obviously people have paid money to go close and be close and with a person and, and enjoy their sort of the privileged position of watching somebody produce this fantastic sound. But also there's something quite unique about the Old Vic itself, the actual shell of the building. Um, actors absolutely love the Old Vic, don't they? Because the way you yeah, don't yeah. have to boom your voice and you know you can click your fingers and you can hear it at the back of the, at the, at the auditorium. I mean, the really bizarre thing unique. is, it is absolutely state-of-the-art 1766 technology, <laughs> the Bristol Old Vic. It's a right up-to-date piece of acoustic yeah. equipment. So we're going to try and celebrate that and capture that we, we, with, with uh, all sorts of... Um, we've got some digital equipment. We're going to capture the movement of, of Jan as well as the sound and the way the sound travels through the space. But also our challenge is, is to create another performance which people will want to go and see at the watershed simultaneously. So we've got a view from all angles at uh, the Old Vic. We've got a view from every angle at the watershed. And what, quite a lot of people have been playing with this. We've got NT Live, you can go and see Glyndebourne or the New York Met in cinemas. What's different about what you're trying to do for this simultaneous performance? I think, interestingly, all those sorts of performances and, and things are being streamed to cinemas. It's the use of the wide angle and using wide angle views on everything. And actually, okay, it's, it, it's, it's lovely and captures a, a sort of the wide open space of a performance. But actually, what you get from being close to a performer is being able to see his hands close up, being able to see the keyboard, the, uh, 
the, the, his, his sweat coming off him and all that sort of thing. And actually, by surrounding him in cameras, we're going to be able to create that real intimate um, setting. For There's a really beautiful idea, John, that you had, which I don't know whether it's still in your plans, but for me, it encapsulates it, is that you're going to put a glass of water on the piano because you want people to be able to see what it feels like. Um, and you were going the to f- film the, the ripples. Yes, exactly, yeah. I mean, that kind of thing. There was all sorts of, audio, you know, and dust falling through the cracks in the floorboards and all that sort of thing. It is going to be wonderful. And the cameras we're using, they are going to be, interestingly, locked off. Because a lot of the sort of Glyndebournes and all that sort of thing, you get these wonderful sweeping cameras and all that sort of thing. In a way, the technology starts to get in the way of actually being close and experiencing some of these performances. A view from all angles of the old Vic is a sort of champagne experience. You're there with Jan and it's going to be... Um, you know, chance of a lifetime to seeing this uh, amazing Canadian uh, wonderkind. But at the same time, there's a, a vodka experience, if you, you know, rather than the <laughs> champagne, if you prefer a sort of cooler drink with some ice, maybe, at the watershed. Black and white, intimate, controlled, cinematic, augmented experience. Quite different. This so, is more like a So really, montage. I ask, how, you know, how cool are you? You know, which, which, <laughs> which do you prefer, champagne or vodka? And say, so what's it going to feel like to be in the audience? Are you going to be drunk? Is this? <laughs> <laughs> well, as uh, Tom's come up with this great idea of stripping some of the seating out, which I think is amazing. That's going to yeah, strip we, it back to the. Yeah, we, we discovered that in, in, the, uh, in the early uh, 19th century, when they were putting these concerts on, they did used to take all the seats out. I mean, all of them. And I, I mean, at that point, it was so that they could ram more people in. Um, but the idea of a promenade concert dates back to that. Um, and as the theatre was originally designed, when, if you were in the pit, you needed to stand up in order to see. And the architects who've refurbished it have made it possible for us to recover a standing area at the front of the pit. So you will be able to stand so right at the front of the pit. It will feel radically different. Which All tickets are fiver. Yeah, and we'll feel <laughs> so shoulder to shoulder with your, your friends uh, experiencing this. So but, it, but you'll it's also have vibe. a sense in the theatre. I mean, in order to achieve this extraordinary simultaneous event at the watershed of the Old Vic, John is going to be like some, you know, character off Thunderbirds underneath the stage in a crazy lab surrounded by screens, live live mixing what is then being seen in Watershed. It's a, it's a really thrilling event. And how is it being seen at Watershed? Are we running tapes from the two venues? Are we, we have, using satellites? We've, well, we've dug up the road, haven't we, Claire? Haven't you organised that as well? You know, in terms of uh, sending it down a fibre optic cable. I think there will be a delay of at least half a second. <laughs> it's a shame. It's, it's been brilliant that uh, the timing of Bristol Proms has coincided with Gigabit Bristol, which is a council initiative to hook the whole city up with super fast broadband. So actually, Bristol Vic and Watershed are the first recipients of this funding and they have literally kind of pulled rabbits out of hats to create a 10 gig link between the two buildings which will be brilliant. Where else can do this? Exactly. (laughs) No other city in Europe could do that. John, this isn't your normal bread and butter work as BDH. You've done incredible award-winning graphics for all sorts of TV series, but not normally working in this way. Graphics. Well, we work well graphics-wise. Well, but music. I mean, I've worked with Coldplay before. I've made a documentary for them and um, uh, worked for them visuals, and also um, going back to a long way, Robbie Williams and people like that. But more recently, we've done uh, graphics for David Bowie and um, a recent documentary for him, and now. It isn't actually quite an unusual step because the technology is sort of what you used with lots of outside broadcast. It was a truck with lots of tellies inside it and a big dish on the top so you could broadcast anywhere. Uh, the technology has got more and more sort of compact effectively and you can use cameras like 
borrowing equipment from Springwatch and the BBC for this, Bradley cameras, which are basically wonderful, steerable, high-quality cameras, and we can stream them through a mixing desk which is, can fit in the back of a car. So all this technology is actually condensing, and it's, we're, we're enjoying effectively plugging them all in for the I mean, first time. I, I think it's important to say that we are at an experimental phase. So the, mm. the ticket prices are, are, are low uh, <laughs> because part of the experience is we're, we're testing a collaboration, yeah. Yeah. and we're testing the technologies. Um, so the audiences who come to this year's Bristol Proms are absolutely pioneering audiences. If it works, we'll be doing it again every year. But the great thing is that people all over Bristol have joined in that experimental project. The BBC you mentioned are very keen to find out whether the technology that's been developed to film wildlife might be applied to theatres and well, to music. They say they, and, the digital technology, the, the nature of the scale of the image capture and all that sort of thing is ideal for theatre, actually. Um, so what and, don't uh, you know? What's the risks at this point that are keeping you awake at night? Oh, yeah, well, uh, I suppose well, there's all sorts of plugs that can fall out of sockets, basically. Um, and Jan, actually, after pre preparing all this, has a headache <laughs> and goes off and in a bit of a... So the human huff. factor. The human factor, maybe. Um, I've heard you've got some other pretty special, fairly old-fashioned technology yes. that's being unleashed Yeah, do you want to reveal that or not? We're talking about lasers using lasers. We're not going to kill anyone or cut anyone in half, but basically we want to project lasers into the old Vic because we like the idea of the old and the new technology, but also, well, they capture and describe environments so well. You know it's very flammable. Yes, yes, well, certainly <laughs> we won't turn it to ten, but um, it's basically we'll describe the space so well in terms of just seeing white laser light move around that ancient building. I think it's going to be you know, fantastic. And obviously we're going to draw information from that and uh, we've got um, connect equipment and uh, motion capture equipment which we're going to turn into graphics so that's part of the augmentation and the enhancement that the viewers will see. So you're using the physical movement of Jan's hands as he plays the piano to shape the visuals that people at Watershed will be we'll seeing. See. That's right and also the audio as well will trigger some information. And all of this is blend blended together and brought together on a vision mixer which I described before which is now you can get in the back of a car, and, um, and basically all this will be coordinated and sent down the cable from one venue to the other. I mean, one, one of the things about the, about the week is that for every single concert, um, there's some kind of technology being used in order to bring the, the audience close to the heart of the music. In some cases, it's really old-fashioned technology. The first concert is actually completely in the dark. Well, not, not completely, but lots of it is in the dark, because when you're in the dark, you, you hear things that you wouldn't otherwise hear. The Messiah on the last night is semi-staged. But Claire, I want you to talk a bit about some of the extraordinary teams of artists that you've brought in alongside John to work on some of the other concerts on the Nicola Benedetti and the Daniel Hope. Absolutely. After we had that first conversation, Tom, uh, I realised that I was going to have to kind of bring together a guerrilla team of digital technologists from my network. We were a little unsure on uh, how that would go at the time. But what was brilliant is we've been able to bring companies in like BDH to offer something new to their portfolio, to take experiments, but also to use some of the skills they use in their um, everyday work. So Play Nicely are working with the Max Richter Four Seasons. Um, and and their, their usual work is in video games and in educational yeah. filmmaking. Right, yeah. 
they do a lot of augmented reality. So they do a lot of uh, web-based um, work with cultural clients, but also with um, when massive new feature films are released, they're quite often the people doing the uh, digital jiggery-pokery around those. And so they, um, for the first time, are developing something called Unity. And Unity is a fairly new platform, which makes it much easier to make video games. We all know about the kind of huge video game titles that take hundreds and hundreds of people and millions and millions of pounds to make. Well, Unity makes that easier. And for the first time, they're using Unity live within a classical concert setting. So all of the instruments in the orchestra are going to be mic'd up with tiny microphones that will physically change the topography of the universe that's being projected behind them. So when the violin plays, a flock of birds might swoop through the universe and the snow might be triggered and the rain comes down because obviously the Four Seasons is brilliantly evocative for this kind of visuals. I mean, the, the amazing thing for me watching this as a, as a stranger to that technology really is that Scott Fletcher who's leading that team is absolutely meticulous in his research. Vivaldi's Four Seasons is based on a series of poems that Vivaldi may have written himself and Scott's gone right back to those poems in order to create this imaginary world and then he's modified the world from the poems in a way that corresponds to the way that Max Richter has modified Vivaldi's music. It's meticulous meticulously detailed work and very beautiful as well. And I think the challenge which is really exciting is the extent to which the audiences understand how much is being triggered live to um, to let them into those story worlds of the Four Seasons and how much is kind of left to the imagination and that's their kind of the careful research project that they're on. We also have the incredible dance room spectroscopy with Nicola Bernadetti on I think the Friday night Tom. And uh, dance room spectroscopy is the brainchild of a quantum chemist called David Glowacki, who's based in Bristol University. And he set off a couple of years ago. But he's he's like the, the Wayne Rooney of his field, isn't he? There are, there are universities fighting over him all the time. And, and there is kind of transfer thing. markets going on. I mean, this guy is a, is a major scientific megastar. He's who you've somehow lassoed into this little dark room at the back of the watershed where you make people do strange things. Oh, where he begged us to let him do strange things. He started off asking, how can I explain quantum physics to my mom, to my sister, to my friends? And somehow along the way, he managed to bring a dance troupe and some amazing music technologists into that mix. And they've created an installation and a performance piece which really shows you how the five kind of most popular or most prevalent atoms in the universe interact with each other. And it's all scientifically cracked, which is the incredible thing. And it has totally changed the way that he's done his chemistry research as well. So this, for the first time, I'm not sure if Nicola really knows what she's getting herself in for, but Nicola will be performing with dance room spectroscopy so what we hope to see is how the uh the the atomic universe interacts with nicola and her music um as she plays 
And the final piece that I wanted to talk about was Hacking the Quartet. Because yeah, this I, is amazing. I think Hacking the Quartet really um, embodies the uh, experimental nature of Bristol proms. We have 20 artists, technologists, coders, and two quartets who are going to spend two days together in a room in Watershed with a load of equipment asking these questions. How can audiences get closer to the music? How can they feel the music in new ways? And we have no idea what will be produced. So if you like, the whole week's experimental, but this is the uber experiment. We might discover things that we haven't dreamt of through those experiments. I think by crashing together, we have uh, researchers who've worked in MIT Media Lab. We have people from the robotics department. Um, we have a, a craft maker whose background is actually in jewellery, but um, she's actually also trained in violin. It's going to be incredible and we hope that um, some pieces are going to be showed off on Friday lunchtime and there's a chance for audiences to come to Bristol World Vic um, at one o'clock for a free talk that will let them hopefully play and interact with some of the things that have been made. So Tom, to, uh, to finish, what are the highlights you're looking forward to? What are the things that we haven't mentioned, perhaps the less digital things? I mean, the highlight for me is looking forward to seeing what the experience of the audience will be. I want to see the faces of the audience when they're experiencing music in new ways. And of course that includes all the digital experiments. It will also include listening to the brilliant Sarconi Quartet with Guy Johnson playing Schubert's Quintet in C, which is one of the most kind of emotionally high impact pieces of music ever written. So it's in the end it's all about the music, but hopefully the excitement is that we will surprise people about how close to it they can get. And this isn't the only Bristol Proms that you have imagined, is it? This is a start of a journey. That's right. I mean, the, the aim is, and, and uh, Universal Music and Watershed have so far told us that the aim is that we'll, we'll re learn from what we discover in this first week and repeat it annually. And if it works, we'd like to spread it to venues all over Bristol. Brilliant. So thank you very much, Tom and John, for joining me in the Watershed Cinema for this unusual Watershed monthly podcast. Uh, the Bristol Proms runs from the 29th of July to the 3rd of August. You can buy tickets for the majority of the shows at the Bristol Old Vic website, which is, Tom? Uh, BristolOldVic.org.uk And if you want to come and see from every angle at Watershed, you can uh, buy tickets from that at watershed.co.uk. Thank you.